Get ready for old-time rock and roll. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to Old Time Rock and Roll. I'm your host, Lee Douglas, and we'll be doing a very special show tonight. That, by the way, is our new theme song. Uh, people have been wondering why I do this song and that song. I like to change it up. This song will be our new theme song, and it's called Walkin' with Mr. Lee. Hmm. How about that? Tonight, we uh, do this just about twice a year when we kind of mentor students from a specific university in Pennsylvania, uh, namely Alvernia University. It's in uh, some, I, think, I wish I knew exactly where it was, I could tell. But uh, in every, or every six months or so, my friend Bruce Marianelli puts a class together on 20th century music and uh, we get to kind of answer questions that the students may have. And the students vary in age from, I guess, early college to those who are just, you know, going to uh, school for extra learning and uh, later on in their career. It all depends. So tonight we have a, a, a different class. We Each class gives different questions and different uh, 
and has just different ideas, so it kind of makes it for an interesting evening. Before we start out, I want to remind you that we are in the last week of our poll to find the best, the top 25 vocal groups, 1955 through 1970. That includes, of course, your early Motown, your doo-wop, and your 1960s vocal groups. So if you have your choices, you may email them to me at otrnrcontact at gmail.com. Same place. Uh, if you want to go to the website, it is oldtimernr.com, and there you can enter all of our portals, including all of our shows, and, of course, the donate page. Hint, hint. All right. Anyway, we're going to go now to our recording, and, uh, of course, you know that when they ask the questions, I answer them, and then I intersperse those answers with relevant music. So listen closely. You might hear some real cool stuff. And we don't know because we're doing this live. So here we go. Oh, okay. Hey, Bruce, you must be on the air. Hi, Lee. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. How are you? I, I apologize for the little delay. I'm behind my time, and I'm not usually like that. That's that's okay. Yeah. And I did want to say I want to thank you and get angry with you at the same time. Uh, you sent me that link about the first rock and roll record. Right. I have been doing research for the last four days, and you will not believe what I found. I'm and sure you're going to tell us. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Um, actually, I'm not going to tell you. But uh, on September the 4th, I will, because we'll be doing a show on that. And um, I think you're going to get a kick out of it. Because oh, That's what I meant. You'll be telling us when you do your podcast on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't I think would... you were going to uh, let the cat out of the bag uh, this I early. I wouldn't dare de- de- divulge that right now. But uh, you cost me a lot of sleep, and uh, I've been doing some major, major research, and I think you're going to enjoy it. I think most people will. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll make it up to you. I'll be in Tampa in November. I know you're, yeah. you're a little distance from there, but if you come over to yeah. Tampa, yeah, I'll sit down and I'll buy you a glass of red wine. Well, the amount of drinking I do, you're not going to lose any money on me. Believe me. Yeah, uh, well, then I'll buy you a soda. All right. I could, say, I could do that. Okay. Well, I have four yeah. students with me. It's a very small class this semester. And um, four young ladies. Uh, we have Tara. Hi. Hi, Tara. We have Melanie. Hi. Howdy. We have Joanne. Hi. And I we have, have a... Dana. Hello. You know, hello, Dana. You know, I can actually do an entire show on Joanne with songs with, with Joanne's name in it. Well, oh, why? Oh, I do. No, I, I've got at least uh, probably 45, 50 songs that I could do something like that. Well, there, the middle. there you go. See, now I'm going to cause you more nights uh, without sleep doing that program. Well, I don't want to go that far. I've done my, I've done enough name shows to, to choke a horse. Anyway, uh, I hope they got some good questions because I, I have just um, a head load of nonsense information um, that's of no value to anybody but you guys. So, okay, feel free. <laughs> Okay. 
Well, which one of you, Joanne, you want to go first? Tara would like to go first. Okay. Uh, my first question, I just was curious, what does it involve if you are a talk show member? Like when we were calling in, it said if you're a member to push a certain button. Like what? Right. What does that involve, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, it really is uh, only, well, that's basically just like having a, a um, a username and and password for any other place that you you know uh, that you're a member of. It's just it just makes it easier because it gives me the right to um, mute you and unmute you. Let's say uh, on certain calls, and I'm not saying this one, but there's there's some silly shows on talk show, uh, and sometimes the people that get on are rather strange. That's to put it nicely. And this gives you the idea if you're the administrator and you put in the PIN number, it gives you the right to mute and unmute the calls and, um, you know, just do that kind of stuff. I see. Um, just getting into my other questions. Um, okay. The podcast that I listened to was number 391, Let the Truth Be Told. Um, uh -huh. I asked you a little bit about, about this previously when I emailed you. Um, mm -hmm. In... In that podcast, you talked about the myths concerning the song American Pie. Yes. Um, I know the plane crash had a great impact on music. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the impact it made? You said you wanted to expand upon that more. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside the day The music died So bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write the book of love and do you have
good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye and singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. Now for ten years we've been on our own and moss grows fat on a rolling stone, but that's not how it used to be. When the jester sang for the king and queen in a coat he borrowed from James Dean and a voice that came from you and me. King was looking down, the jester stole his thorny crown, the courtroom was adjourned.
met a girl who sang the blues And I asked her for some happy news But she just smiled and turned away I went down to the sacred store Where I'd heard the music years before But the man there said the music wouldn't play In the streets the children screamed The lovers cried and the poets dreamed But not a word was spoken The church bells all were broken And the three men I admire most The Father, Son and the Holy Ghost They caught the last train for the coast The day The music died And they were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die They were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die Okay, sure. Um, first of all, let me let me say that um, I'm trying to remember. I believe I would have been 16 myself, and I had just not. Well, let's see. On uh, let's see, January the 2nd would have been the last day of the um, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens both appeared on the Alan Freed Rock and Roll Show Christmas of um, 1958. And into January first and second of nineteen fifty nine, and um, I was at that show a couple of times that that year. So on the second, which was the last day, um, I actually sat down with a couple of friends and Buddy Holly, and we had lunch. And uh, a month later, plus one day. He was dead. For a 16-year-old that had never lost uh, even a family member, this was quite a devastating thing for me by myself, forgetting about the music. Um, I don't think I went to school for three days because I was really shooken up. I, I just didn't know how to handle that. And I, you know... You don't go and say to your parents, "I'm shook up." You know, I'm 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 devastated because some rock and roll star died. They looked at you strange because they don't know, I and mean, they didn't know who I saw and who I dealt with at these shows, and um, so it was very difficult. You just I just kind of had to deal with it on my own, and it took me quite a while to get over. Now, on a musical standpoint, it's. Um, it's, it's hard to, to put into words, but let's put it this way. 
Buddy Holly was already on the wane. His music was not hitting the charts as he had with the crickets. Most singers that leave their groups that helped them get to the top uh, usually took a nosedive after that. The only one that didn't actually being probably Dion of the Belmonts. Um, and so his music was on the wane, but he had ideas. He would have probably been one of the best record producers in the business, uh, probably, you know, just into the 90s because he had very different and unusual ideas. The idea of having rock and roll music and uh, an orchestra came from Buddy Holly. There you go, baby, here am I, will you? Left me here so I could sit and cry Well, golly gee, what have you done to me? Well, I guess it doesn't matter anymore Do you remember, baby, last September How you held me tight each and every night Well, whoops-a-daisy, how you drove me crazy But I guess it doesn't matter anymore there's no use in me a crying I've done everything and now I'm sick of trying I've thrown away my nights And wasted all my days over you Well, you go your way and I'll go mine Now and forever, Billy in the time I'll find somebody new, baby We'll say we're through And you won't matter anymore There's no use in me a crying I've done everything and now I'm Sick of trying, I've thrown away my nights And wasted all my days over you Well, you go your way and I'll go mine Now and forever, truly, in the time I'll find somebody new, baby We'll say we're through and you won't matter anymore You won't matter was his uh, big thing. He wanted to add that to rock and roll music, which he did. And so that would have, that's one, one reason that made it um, an impact on the music. We never got to see what his kind of impact. I almost started writing a book on what would have happened had that crash not happened. But I, I honestly... Uh, the one thing I can't do is write a book because I'm, I get too bored very quickly. So uh, that never is going to happen. But the other thing about it was, was um, Richie Valens. Now, Richie Valens was only <clears throat> just turned 18 when he died. The boy for a 17-year-old who lived in a very low-income section of um, 
Los Angeles, right below black, you know, a lot of Mexicans still live there. And I do not understand, honestly, how a person of that age could be that good on a guitar. And I feel that the world lost more than we know with him because he had just started his career and the impeccable way he played the guitar at age 17 even when he became popular uh, proved to me that we have lost we had lost a great singer you're mine and we belong together yes we
Uh, as far as the other one, uh, I honestly, with no no offense to to uh, J.P. Richardson's family, uh, the Big Bopper was a flash in the pan. He was a disc jockey who um, had a couple of hits, and it wouldn't have lasted too much longer. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the Big Bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, you sweet thing. Do I want? Will I want? Oh, baby, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down. Wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Make the world go round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl to make me act so funny. Make me spend my money. Make me feel real loose like a long neck goose. Like a girl. Oh, baby, that's what I like. What's that, baby? But. 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 Oh, honey. Chantilly lace had a pretty face, had a ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Lord, make the world go round, round, round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl to make me act so funny, make me spend my money, make me feel real loose, like a long neck goose, or like a girl. Oh, baby, that's the one I like. What's that, honey? Pick you up at eight. And don't be late. But baby, I ain't got no money, honey. <laughs> oh, all right, honey, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face, ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Low. Made the world go round Ain't nothing in the world like a big-eyed girl To make me act so funny Make me spend my money Make me feel real loose Like a long-necked goose like a girl Oh, baby, that's what I like! But uh, I think we lost most was the, uh, the ability of Buddy Holly to produce records and to see how far Richie Valens could have gone had he been alive. Who taught uh, Richie Valens how to play the guitar? Uh, that I don't know. He, I believe he learned just by himself. I, I believe he was basically self-taught. Uh, he may have had a family member. Uh, Mexicans were pretty good on playing a regular guitar. And uh, he could have had a, uh, a person, you know, just a, um, a family member help him. But he learned most on his own. Okay. A lot of God-given talent there to, to be that efficient yeah. at 17, learn on your own, plus a lot of you know self-drive um, and dedication to sit there. Oh, sure. And sure. Uh, that's what a lot of in people fact, don't understand, to be a good musician, what it takes. Yeah, in fact, I'm doing a show. Um, let's see. When are we doing that? Uh, doing a show on Guitar Heroes. When's that? Uh, let's see, where am I going to do that? On the 14th of August, well, it would already be done, 
uh, when went, uh, your show is going to show on the uh, 31st. We're going to do your show um, on the 31st. But um, So the Guitar Heroes would already be done, but that will be done on the 14th of August. And I'm playing some Ricky Valens and a lot of other stuff. Uh, you know, Bruce? Yes? I'm having a little problem with my um, phone. So if there's any problem, just hold on and I will re-sign re in. So... Don't concern yourself with that, but just be aware it might happen. Okay. All right. So that's the show. So the Guitar Heroes is going to focus on, on a lot of guys that were young and just played, you know, so fabulously uh, at an early age. So that will be kind of interesting as well. Good. Okay. I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah. Uh, okay, who's got a next question? Yeah, Tara has another question. Sure, absolutely. Um, at the end of the Let the Truth Be Told podcast, uh, you were talking about Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh-huh. I asked you to if you could tell a little bit more about him, and you started to answer me um, about his sons dying, yes. his wives being murdered, but he was never considered a suspect. Like, yeah. Why were their murders considered suspects? Uh, like suspicious or well, I'm when when nobody is uh, if, if, when you haven't got a culprit. Um, I mean, how exactly did they die? Like, why was it considered suspicious, and why was he never considered as a suspect? Well, they, honestly, they were one I do not remember. I think one one or both was shot, and they never found the guilty party, and. Uh, <clears throat> The the odd thing was that, that he was just untouchable. I don't know why, but and it wasn't the thing where well, because he was a great you know he was a talent or he was a, a superstar. Uh, he just wasn't ever considered as a suspect. I don't know if he was out on tour at the time uh, or anything else, but uh, bo both wives, both of his ex-wives. Now he's had. I think five. Five. I think five. Um, the only one that's still alive is probably Myra, which was his, I'm thinking, third or second. That's the third. That was the girl that was 13, the second cousin. Um, but the uh, wives died under mysterious circumstances. And none of them were ever, none of those murders were ever uh, solved. Now the her, his two sons, on the other hand, one one died. I believe it was Steve Allen Lewis died in floating in a swimming pool. Now that was that was that. And, and then right after that, his his second son died. Um, you know, it's just one of those things when you're in a family of of uh, of entertainers or whatever, just those things seem to happen. Now, interestingly enough, actually Jerry Lee has a connection to another murder, and that was, uh, I don't know if you remember Robert Blake. Yes. The actor. Yes. Well, Robert Blake's, the one he was supposed to have killed, uh, Bonnie Bakley, was actually trying to get involved with Jerry Lee Lewis and was writing him and they had met and uh, 
once again, he got out of that one because that woman was um, what they call, a, I guess, a barracuda. I think that's the best terminology of it. And she died, and he was not, um, and Blake was acquitted on that one. So um, I, I guess, but it was interesting. And then I went ahead and I was looking at the Jerry Lee Lewis discography, and he actually wrote a song, does not, I believe, have anything to do with Bonnie Blakely, but he recorded a song called Bonnie Beat. She see, she makes me happy, makes me feel so good. I wouldn't marry Bunny B if I could. We're too young, we got a long time to wait. But Bunny, baby, that don't mean hesitate about loving me. So kiss me, Bunny, Bunny B, Bunny B, Bunny, Bunny, Bunny B. But Bunny, Bunny B, she's the pride of our school. When she walks down the hall, well, all the kids all through. Made her long blonde hair and cherry pink lips and turned up nose that makes a cat wanna flip. Flip over bunny, bunny bee, bunny bee, bunny, bunny, bunny bee. Makes a cat wanna flip. Flip over bunny, bunny bee, bunny bee, bunny, bunny, bunny bee. And uh, <clears throat> I listened to that for any kind of innuendos, and it should have come out way before this murder happened. But it was just interesting that, that there was a song called Bunny Bee. And so uh, here he is. Jerry Lee is um, still alive. How, I don't know. He has gone through uh, some of the worst illnesses, sicknesses that anybody could go through. I know he was in, uh, in uh, serious condition earlier this year. And, uh, but in all these years, he, he is still the only one of the million-dollar quartet, or septet, as I call it, that's still alive.
Do they know who the, the million-dollar septet is? Well, we talked about the quartet. Well, you know, it's more than a quartet. You had uh, you had Jerry Lee, you had Elvis, you had Carl Perkins, you had Johnny Cash, you had um, uh, Roy Orbison. I mean, you know. Well, you know, Sam Phillips had that recording, that stable of um, recording artists that yeah. when they would get together. Yeah, you can consider them the, um, the septet, the million-dollar septet. Yeah, and, and you know what else? It was interesting because as I was doing this research on the uh, show, I, of course, the uh, first one of the records that was said to have been the first rock and roll record, which was Rocket 88, mm-hmm. was produced by Sun Records. Right. And uh, very interesting. Right. Cannot believe how far back they went. You've heard of Jalopy, you've heard the noise they make But let me introduce my new Rocket 88 Yes, it's straight, just one way Everybody likes my Rocket 88 Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along Smart and designed, black convertible top, and the gals don't mind. Sporting with me, riding all around town for joy. Blow your horn, Raymond, blow! And don't be late, baby, we're pulling out about half past eight Going round the corner and get a bill Everybody in my car's gonna take a little nip Move on out, oozing and cruising along
that he, he was a remarkable man what he was able to put together in his time. Yeah, and he could have done it again had he uh, he lost the drive. Yep. We all do, I guess, at one point or another. Uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. It gets to a point where, you know, you're tired of doing things. You just want to sit back and relax and take it easy. But once that happens, then, you know, you stop moving and things start slowing down and soon the end is near. Yeah, well, I know about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I try to stay, uh, stay one step ahead of everybody and keep busy. Melanie, yeah, I'm, our I'm, next I'm, student, has... A, has yeah. Uh, several questions for you. Okay. Let her, you know, take over. Um, I know I asked you um, from the one episode I watched, 62, about Elvis, but I thought uh-huh. it would be interesting for the class to hear of whether you consider Elvis to be the king of rock and roll or not. Oh, dear. Um, no, um, I do not, and under any circumstance, consider him the king of anything. Um you know, it's funny because no more than I would ever consider Michael Jackson to be the king of pop, um, there are, you know, when you talk, you know, these are basically terms that are put out by um, the entertainment people. The, you know, they have publicity agents and they, they give them things and if it sticks, it sticks. Now, what I dislike most about most people is that that two years before Michael Jackson's death, just for me to go back like that, uh, he was probably one of the most despised people in the country. And he was not called the King of Pop. He was called, um, what was it, Wacko Jacko. So all of a sudden, everybody gets on the bandwagon how great he was because he's dead. Uh, That's... That to me is is unfair. Um, when you're when you're a talent, you're a talent. Whether you are strange or whether you're not strange, whether you are accused of something or you're not, that doesn't um, negate the qualities that you have that made you a star in the first place. Uh, now to go back, as far as royalty of rock and roll, you have the father, which is Alan Freed. He is the man that is the father of rock and roll, and I've gotten myself in trouble before, and I will again, and I'll say this, and it'll probably shock some of you. Um, I consider Alan Freed to be more important in the field of race relations than Martin Luther King Jr. Because this is the man that first got black and white teenagers together in one place, which in this world up until that time had never never happened and i stood side by side and seat by seat and hand by hand with people that i would never have thought that i would have been next to back in the 1950s uh and this is why he was so um sought sought upon and and um uh actually attacked by people was because of this he was actually changing the status quo back in the 1950s, almost mm, 15 years, 14 years before Martin Luther King came, came along and uh, gave his speech. Alan Freed is the king of rock and roll. He is because there was none before him. There, I'm, I'm not saying the music wasn't there, but there was no, um, 
notification of it. There was no verification. It was just a bunch of music. He took it all and blended it together, blended the people together, and gave them a platform like nobody else. So if anybody is a king of rock and roll, it's him. Now, you want to call them royalty? You have your Elvis, you have Little Richard, you have Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, uh, Jerry Lee, uh, Elvis, Roy Orbison, um, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, and you have the royalty of rock and roll. But I don't believe that the, there's a terminology just because he sold more records than anybody else. Because um, well, if he hadn't done foolish things, he'd still be alive. He'd still be, you know, performing. Uh, you know, like several of the other guys, it might have been different. But I, I just don't feel that no matter what he did, and he was great, and I've, I saw him perform... Um, many times in person, but I, I would never say he's the king of anything. He was um, a, a, a poor kid that, had, that got um, pushed into the public eye, never knew how to handle it. Uh, that's not to negate the greatness of his music or what he accomplished uh, as a non-musician, really. I think he did a great job, and I love his music to this day but I would never put him above any of the others because they are all equally as important to rock and roll. I think, Lee, you know, Elvis was designated, quote, the king of rock and roll just because of his, uh, because of being white and his ability to uh, bridge the two, uh, the Negro and the white population at the time and bring the, bring a lot of that music together. I've been traveling over miles, even through the valleys too. I've been traveling in vain, I've been running all the way, baby, trying to get to you. Ever since I read your letter, where you said you loved me true. I've been traveling night and day, I've been running all the way, baby, trying to get to you. When I read your loving letter, then my heart began to sing. There was many miles between us, but it didn't mean a thing. I just had to read you, baby. Kept traveling night and day, I kept running all the way, baby trying to get to you. Travel not in day, I not still run all the way, baby trying to get to you.
was he who brought me through. When my way was dark at night, he would shine as bright as light. When I was trying to get to you. American in that audience. I'll go back to the 1950s, go to the 1960s, go to the 70s. You will not find them. You will not. However, if you look at the Chuck Berries and you look at a concert, you will see them totally mixed. The same thing with all of them. There was a, the, the black performers actually brought out the white audiences but Elvis did not bring out the black audience. I think he more more or less tried to bridge it to the uh, to the parents of the teenagers, the white teenagers. No, I, I think it was. I think he 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 melded the music, but I don't think uh, he he brought. You know, there was just a take a look. I'm sure there are pictures everywhere of uh, Elvis in, in uh, especially in his movies. Uh, look at the look at the audience in the in the. Uh, beginning when they opened up um, Love Me Tender in New York City. Mm -hmm. You could see all the kids standing there when they pulled down that banner. I guarantee you won't find a black face in the crowd. No, they're, they were all white. And no. So that's why I don't think that's a good analogy, calling him the king of rock and roll, because that 
he did not bridge. <laughs> he did not accept the, the, the black audiences. Well, what do you mean? Everything he did was, was already done by the black audiences. One Night was produced by Smiley Lewis years before. Fats Domino years before. Right. So many. Uh, you know, Hound Dog was done by Sister Rosetta Sharp. Uh, no. The, all the music, basically, without detracting from Elvis, and uh, believe me, I have friends who are Elvis tribute artists. Mm -hmm. uh, he stole it. He stole the music. He, you know, I mean, no matter what you say, he was only a, he was not for black audiences. Yeah. But see, so this I, is a, um, a, a very interesting uh, conversation we're having. I have Joanne here to my left shoving papers in my face going, see, I told you Elvis wasn't again. Because one of the questions I pose on their midterm is something to the effect is that Elvis has been dubbed the king of rock and roll. In your opinion, who do you think is the king of rock and roll or should be called the king of rock and roll? And I got quite a few different answers, you know, other than Elvis Presley with this class. Well, what did they give you? Little, little Richard. Little Richard. Go to town and marry Bob Uncle John. He claimed he has a misery, but he having a lot of fun, oh, baby. Yes, baby. Woo, baby. together. 
Right. And not Elvis. That- Good fun.
Now, my wife loves Elvis, so I'm glad I have the door closed and she's not listening to this. I'm sure you'd be, I'm sure you'd be having a frying pan or a rolling pin over the head by now. Well, no. I've got the, we're used to frying pans. Remember, i got a background in, uh, in um, wrestling, so <laughs> I'm used to frying pans. But, uh, no, I, I just think that uh, they are correct. Anybody who said Little Richard or, or Chuck Berry or Fats Domino has a uh, Better giving them better grades than the one that says Elvis. Ooh, okay, that's that's going to open a can of worms here now. I got to have to deal with. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> now, the truth. Melanie has another question for you. If we're right, done with this one. Um, what made you get into doing the podcast? My wife. Your wife. Yeah. Um, to tell you the truth, I started out um, almost. I want to say 12 years ago, when I started doing professional wrestling again, um, I had started it when I was in my late teens and early 20s, uh, and I began working around here, and I started doing a a weekly wrestling talk show, and um, I had a lot of people, you know, I had all the local um, Orlando and Central Florida wrestlers on the show, and... um, I would I would go directly from work and I would be working uh, basically from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. I had a, I used to do the after school program and so I get out at six o'clock and then I would travel across town 
to one of the um, seedier sections of, of Orlando, and beyond that was where my friends lived, and they had a, a little studio there. And um, so I was doing the show from there. And my wife got tired of the fact I used to come home on Monday nights when I did the show at uh, 10 o'clock. And she was ready to go to sleep already. And I was just winding down. So she said, you know what? Why don't you do the show from your place? Let's do it from here. And then you can, you know, worry about them some other time. So I said, that's fine, but it's going to cost money. And now my wife doesn't normally like to spend a lot of money, but on this case, she did. So we actually bought my equipment, the microphones and soundboards and uh, all the stuff we needed, and I started doing that. And after a while, I, I found TalkShoe, and uh, I went on, and uh, I realized that we could, they were at that time, I could actually make some money. So I had this huge collection of music. I said, well, as long as I'm doing this wrestling show, why don't I try doing a um, show, you know, a music show on this? So I got myself a music show called Old Time Rock and Roll, and I went on in October of 2006. Uh, The first week, eight people listened to me. And uh, I said, okay, listen, you know, what can I expect? They told about six people, and two people must have listened by accident. (laughs) <laughs> the next week um, I think I had uh, 20 people listen well by the end of the month uh, I had uh, I think 2,000 people listening and um, I, I, <laughs> I started to get checks in, in the mail from uh, TalkShoe so it got real excited and I kept doing it and kept doing it and I kept getting more listeners and more listeners and then um, then they, everybody else began to catch on, and they stopped paying because uh, otherwise they would have gone out of business. So uh, I decided to go somewhere else. I went somewhere else, and that was a mistake. Came back to talk shoe uh, le- and put up some of the other shows, and I just kept going. Um, and I began to get such a love for music again because I'll be honest, I know you guys are, uh, or said gals, are rather young, lucky devils, but um, I, I just enjoy this older music, and I dislike so much of what's been going on over the past 20 years in music that I decided that it, it, other people need to know about it. And I have gone out and reached out to seniors and young kids and everything, and um, I just continue to do it and continue to love it, and my uh, personal collection continues to grow, and I just have, I I guess it's gotten out of hand, but I really do enjoy it. Okay, most of my questions are on Motown, and Uh I watched a video on it, and one of the things they said is that the artists, they didn't have, they didn't really have any confrontations, and I just want to know how that was possible because, you know, today, if you're working together, people seem to get in some type of confrontations, and it's just, like, hard to believe that they didn't get into any. Well, that's not true. Um, People left the group all the time. I believe uh, one of the Temptations left before they got popular, if I remember. And I I do have to uh, apologize because... As Motown grew, I grew out of music. Uh, 
because I, although there was great music still in the 70s, I never enjoyed Motown. Really? Really. Um, now, remember that Motown uh, really belongs to Jackie Wilson because without the money, Barry Gordy could never have uh, done it. And, and Barry Gordy made his money on, on Jackie Wilson and on Jackie's hits. Um, but I was not a fan of Motown. I liked Stax Volt because I liked the tinny sound. I thought that was a great sound. Uh, and I didn't like the funky sound of Motown. Um, that's not to say I didn't enjoy, oh, you know, Stevie Wonder, which I did. I thought he was uh, and is still a, a genius. But I, I just, I didn't like the Supremes. Um, yeah, I like Martha Reeves, but, you know, she was, went be, really before them. Um, and I liked Motown before it was Motown. You know, I, um, I didn't like the Tops. I didn't like the Temptations. They just were too slick. I don't know if you can understand that word in this connotation, but they were too slick. They were, they were too polished. There was no... Uh, they were all over-rehearsed.
the uh, early rock and roll and the early doo-wops was not that real, real um, polished look. And it was, and it's polished that it killed it, in my opinion. So I don't know how to much to say about Motown. Um, I, I, I think I liked one song that Diana Ross did. And once she left the Supremes, I never even heard her again. I never even listened to her. Um, Tops had some good songs. Uh, you know, but no, uh, for the most part, I never enjoyed Motown. Uh, as I said, Stax Volt, um, the music of Otis Redding and those people, great. Ray Charles, great, but I was not a fan of, of Motown. But indeed, there was what you would call um, intervention before that happened. Like I said, there was a member of the... Um, the Temptations that did leave right before they get pop, they got popular because they had confrontations. They didn't like the way the thing was going. Uh, again, the same thing happened with uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. If there was no confrontation, why wasn't Diana Ross continuing with the Supremes? They did not get along. And you could tell that by, by when you tried to get them together, when they tried to reunite them. It was very hard to do it because Mary Wilson didn't want to come back. So, you know, that is not true. That's hype. That's what you call hype. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer my next question, but what was the most successful group out of Motown? Oh, definitely the definitely the Temptations would be the most successful. Um they they are you know, revered more than the top, the four tops are. They are more revered uh, as a better musical group. But in reality, it's all Barry Gordy. Um, he had a strong hand. He knew how to get the best out of people. And, um, you know, so I don't believe always in giving credit to the performers because he had a great hand in everything. And, of course, then when Smokey Robinson took over as uh, as producer, uh, Smokey was was great in the early 60s, and uh, he grew. Um, again, as soon as Smokey became as big as he did with Motown, I stopped listening to Smokey because, there, because of that, the sound that he grew up on and that we grew up on, that is the sound of Mickey's Monkey and uh, um, some of the other things he did in the early 60s, they had a certain rawness that I liked. And the later stuff by Smokey and the Miracles was very packed, very slick, and just didn't have the same qualities in my mind as the others did. Interesting. So I, I answered it somewhat, huh? I appreciate it. Thank you. Not a problem. Okay, next is uh, Joanne, like, uh, Little Richard. King of rock and roll. He didn't agree with me on the test question about that either. Well, that's all right. You you now have it from uh, from the source right. that he should it, give it you was, better credit for. It was an opinion for. question, and I didn't mark her wrong. I, it was just her opinion. And he didn't agree as long as you didn't give her partial credit, because she needed uh, all credit for that. She got full credit for it. It was her okay, opinion. that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my question is, it has nothing to do with any of the podcasts, but in a way it does. When you hear about all of these rock groups playing overseas, like in France and Germany, this came to my mind a long time ago. What language do they sing it? 
English? Well, how do people in Germany and France and like Japan understand what they're singing? They don't care. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go back a little further than German and we'll go to Japan. Um, when when uh, you look, Japan today, uh, they still revere more than here people like Carl Perkins and Elvis and they are very, very big in Japan. Uh, Japan has not lost that re reverence for those artists. Now, in the 19... 50s in Germany, um, Bill Haley and the Comets appeared there. They had a big brawl, a big riot because they couldn't get close enough to him. But uh, singing Rock Around the Clock in German just wouldn't work. They didn't care about the words, they cared about the beat and the music. And um, it was that way all over. Uh, matter of fact, a friend of mine by the name of Eulen Duvall, who's a rockabilly artist, he went over uh, to Sweden just last year with another country artist by the name of Narvel Feltz, who was very big in early rock and roll. Um, they do not speak any Swedish. They just love the music. And it, it, it trans, what they say, music transcends all um, socioeconomic lines and all language barriers. Because when you sing, you know, even Elvis, if Elvis sings one night with you, it doesn't matter what language it's in, it still comes across. And who do you think the better writers are, Leavers and Stolers or the Beatles? Wow. <laughs> oh. This is what I had to deal with this semester, Lee. I think that's great, though. Um, yeah. You have to understand something that that it's uh, Lieber and Stoller wrote from a different perspective than than uh, than George Harrison and um, Paul McCartney. Um, Lieber and Stoller were writers. Paul McCartney and and the other Beatles and John Lennon were musicians. Now there's a difference, and it was the job of Lieber and Stoller to write popular songs, and they did. The Beatles wrote for themselves, and each song either came from their heart, their mind, or whatever drugs they happened to be taking on a particular day. No, <laughs> no they didn't do drugs. Come on. <laughs> they were the clean boys of rock and roll. That's right. Lucy in the Sky with uh, Gems. Right. Uh, no, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it's they are musicians, and musicians write one way, and professional songwriters write another way. Now, so if you you can't actually equate the two, that's like apples and oranges. To me, as great as as um, Lennon and McCartney were, they were musicians, and they wrote for themselves, and they wrote what meant something to them. Lieber and Stoller were totally different, and um, the 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 amount of hits that they had in, in that show that I did should show you that this is, they could write for anybody and make a hit. And just the fact that they wrote a song originally for um, the Coasters, and a couple of years later, it became 
the focal point of an Elvis Presley movie called Girls, Girls, Girls. And they got credit for every single one of them. Not only the, the song, but the, the credit for the entire movie. Um, they were incredible in what they did. They could take anything, give me a, give me a topic, and in, in, and in a day or two, I'll have a song for you. The, the Beatles could not do that. They remind me of uh, group um, uh, writing uh, uh, writers that were in the late '60s and '70s, Baccarat and David. Yeah, same yeah. thing. Give me, give me, a, give me something, and I'll uh, give me a topic, and I'll I'll write a song in two days. And the part about it that was so great was that they were terrific songs. Yep, every one of them. But I hate this. I hate to demi- diminish. The Beatles, but like I said, they um, produced for themselves, and they didn't care. Uh, matter of fact, I played on on one of my shows, the worst records of all times, one of the Beatles songs. It was awful. It was terrible, and you either know that they were either not, they were either all <laughs> having a bad trip one day, or something to produce something like that. Uh, if you haven't heard it. Go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, it's called the, the Worst Songs Ever Made. And uh, believe me, you will see that the Beatles just... It's not, some, not so nice stuff. Yeah, some nice oh. music. There was some junk oh. that came out, especially when they were uh, high as a kite, because they would fight over it, you know, putting it on an album. John Lennon, yeah. Lennon would want it on, McCarthy and Harrison wouldn't. And then again, remember again, there was a great deal of of animosity and jealousy and uh, between the Beatles, and that's why they didn't last so long. Okay, how do you feel about the Beatles' music compared to Elvis? Uh, again, totally different apples and oranges. The Beatles were musicians. Elvis Presley was a singer. There's quite a difference. Well, now, this is the first time this ever happened, folks. I ran out of time, and I I hate editing these shows but we're already over our limit, and I just want to thank all of you for listening and for asking your questions, and Bruce, I will see you and speak with you soon. Thank you so much, everybody, for being with us. This is Lee Douglas for everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll. That's a wrap. <laughs>